0: Hi, I'm Ethan. I love muzzleloading. Today, we've got Bill Schneider back in the hot seat here. We're talking a little bit about the CLA or the Contemporary Long Rifle Show, which as you're listening, if you're listening in August 2022, is just a few weeks or a few days away. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background about the show and uh, about some of the neat things that Bill is bringing to the show. As, uh, as well as me, I was nominated to be a part of the Aspiring Artist Table this year. So I'll be hanging out all weekend at the show. Really looking forward to this event to meet up with muzzleloading enthusiasts and a lot of the contemporary masters of long rifle culture. I hope to see you there. Uh, If not, I hope you do enjoy the episode and you can maybe make some time uh, in the future to come out and see us at the CLA show. Uh, welcome back, Bill Schneider. You know, you, we're on just a few episodes back and, and you reached out and said, hey, you know, let's talk about a few more things. And, and so we're, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the, the CLA show and uh, kind of the microcosm that it has created inside the muzzleloading community. As we're recording, we're just a few weeks away from the CLA show. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the CLA as an organization and, and what they're doing as well as what it's like to be at the show and exhibiting at the show. So, Bill, thank you so much.
1: Well, I appreciate you listening to my rantings and ravings and saying, wow, that's a cool idea. We should talk about that.
0: <laughs> I'm looking at my screen for the listeners at home. Bill sent me just a wall of stuff, and I love it. I just absolutely love it. I, it was. He sent it to me here about 830, but I was getting ready to go to bed, and it just got me excited. I could hardly sleep the rest of the night. <laughs>
1: Well, that was my intention. It's like uh, you know the kid before Christmas. Yeah. But I got to tell you, it all stems from those last several that you did with uh, um, Dewald, uh, Nathan Kolbuck, and Ken Scott. Um, they were they were great podcasts. And if you haven't listened to those podcasts, you really need to because well, they you. all together
0: yeah those uh those guys were all just just wonderful i'm, I'm very thankful that they took the time to to sit down and, and talk with me about it because i enjoyed the heck out of those and and the feedback on them has been really really well it's been really good so
1: yes yes but so here we are we're, we're several weeks out the excitement is building for the cla show
0: <laughs> it's in lexington kentucky august 19th and 20th so Something about the CLA show that's a little bit different is it, it runs a Friday-Saturday schedule with a setup on Thursday. So it's a little bit tougher if you're uh, you know, still working like I am. You either got to take a day off uh, or just come in on that Saturday on that weekend. But how, how long have you been going to the CLA, Bill? This will be year number two, believe it or not. Year number two. Okay. I don't know how My, I missed you there last year.
1: It's hard to say. there's so much- <laughs> there's so much there and it's such a big space. Yeah. I feel I missed a lot. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, and it is quite an experience. And if you can make, you make it however much time you can spend there. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, this is year number two for my wife and I, and we previously weren't able to attend because it was always the first weekend of football season. And I just came off of retiring from teaching and coaching, so my schedule is a little more open to being able to participate finally. I've always wanted to. I've been a member for this, of the CLA for a while now, and I keep seeing pictures and video, and it's driving me nuts because you want to get there. You want to see all the cool stuff.
0: Yeah. So how would you describe the show for somebody that's never been or, or has limited exposure to it then?
1: Well, the the CLA show, the Contemporary Long Rifle Association, the show is kind of like the annual meeting event of the Contemporary Long Rifle Association, and it's interesting to note that I think it started out. If you ask some of the old timers that have been in it since the beginning, which this is year twenty six, uh, I've been in it less than half that, but back twenty six years ago, I really truly believe that some of the contemporary artisans who were making uh, guns and accoutrements said, hey, let's all just get together and sit down and share what we're doing and what we're making. And so they orga- the houses organized a, a show at a central location close to them in Kentucky. And the interesting part is back in the day, they all used to go back to um, – frank and lolly's house for a barbecue oh wow so that's the how small the beginnings of the cla were that's awesome and over time it morphed into this huge um organization internationally and it also grew into this large um, show that individuals who are artisans can get a good chance to say, here's what I'm doing. And it's also a chance for uh, creators to, to and artisans to talk to each other and for some of the newer people to ask some of the older people, look at my stuff, tell me what you think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, now, I kind of I- think of it, If you if you aren't necessarily familiar with it, if you're familiar with like a pop culture convention, this is kind of muzzle-loading contemporary long rifle culture convention is the kind of thing. I mean, it's it's held in, a, it's held in the, the Central Bank Center in Lexington, but it's just this massive exhibit hall that's just filled with rows and tables of some of the finest contemporary accoutrements and long rifles and everything associated with it. It's just packed. And like you said early on there that I was there both days and I still feel like I didn't catch everything because each table is just filled with magnificent stuff. I mean, there's like no holds barred. Everybody comes to the show each year with the best that they've made over the last year.
1: Oh, yeah. And every once in a while, if you get a chance on Facebook to go to the Contemporary Long Rifle Association page, you'll see artisans start putting stuff up over the last month. Just finish this come see it at the show. So it's kind of an interesting teaser to what people are going to be unveiling.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because the pictures never do it justice.
1: No. <laughs> no, they, no, they don't. You you, you got to get the you got to get the full the full effect. You got to get the the look, you got to get the touch, the feel of it, and you got to get the smell of it and and get that in your head in order to get the full effect. But I think you nailed it. You could call this the long rifle culture con yeah and it is it is that is a very good analogy and i am not shameful to say yes i have visited many uh uh comic cons and pop culture and (laughs) it is that is a very good way to say it because there's a lot of uh stars of the contemporary long rifle culture that will be there
0: yeah yeah, and it's not really like a like your traditional gun fair or, or trade fair. You know, there There's definitely a lot of stuff for sale, and you can spend a lot of money going through there. But there yes. are booths and exhibits that are, are more educational or, or are set up as kind of an art display piece so that you can go in and sit and learn. I mean, you can definitely shop, and I, I imagine that you have just as much as I have uh, going to the shows over the years but um it's just a it's an all-encompassing experience uh it's just it's just really neat i've really enjoyed it the i went last year was my first year uh in kind of my young adult life, uh, since I went off to college early on, my my folks and I attended several years when I was younger and then kind of got out of it when I went to college, got busy, uh, got married, and, <laughs> you know and, but finally made yeah. it back last year. Uh, and it was neat to see it kind of in the, in the new space and and get to catch up with everybody.
1: The, the new space is very conducive. You don't feel like you're a bunch of cattle uh, being crammed down an aisle. And I've been in plenty of shows, um, you know, contemporary gun shows where you feel like you're in cattle gates being shuffled down and you can't really see or enjoy what's on the table. The, the staff of the CLA, um, have done a great job in trying to lay it out. So it's the maximum space. So not everybody's on top of each other crammed wise and enable you to enjoy the experience.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, what would you say were some of your highlights from your first year last year?
1: Uh, well, my first year last year, number one was walking through the door in awe of seeing what was going on. Yeah, walk us through that. It's it's uh, so if you are someone who has tables set up, they have various um, levels of tables, just like if you were going to. Uh, put up a table at any other kind of uh, pop culture show or gun show. And they have your regular tables where you can put your, your items out. Uh, You can sell them. Then they have another set of category tables that are individuals who have antique original items. And that is, that was one problem I didn't do a lot last year was, I didn't spend enough time walking through the original items. Mm. Especially being a bag maker myself, there are a lot of original bags, and I feel like I've missed a bunch. So this year, that's going to be my focus: is to pay attention to that. Um,
0: yeah, you can collect I, a lot of reference of some original stuff that's in private collections here, where you can't necessarily elsewhere. Yes, and that's
1: that's a key thing. And always be polite and ask if you can. You know, I carry a sketchbook. Also, everybody's got their cell phones nowadays. It's easy to take pictures, but make sure you you ask if they mind if you uh, take a picture. And ninety nine point nine percent of the time, there'll be no problem. Yeah. Uh, and you and you definitely want to visit. Uh, I got to give a shout out to my our our friend Nathan's and my friend uh, Dorn Carr from uh, west of Cleveland, and he has by far some of the greatest original horns, and he always comes up with cool, original things to the 18th century that he likes to share with everybody. And if you get a chance, if you and if you can't make the connection to who he is, come find me uh, at my table, and uh, I'd be more than happy to go over and introduce you to him. And he loves telling you about these horns and, and the other items that he has. He's a good guy. But so you got the... You got the contemporary artists with their work. You have the collectors who have their original stuff, and some of it's for sale, mm-hmm. which is cool too. If you if you are into collecting, there's a lot of swapping and collecting going back and forth. And then you'll have um, what they have. They call them booths, and these are some for some of the bigger vendors to showcase what's new. And I tell you what the cornerstone of last year for me was the kibler booth um and to see all the neat things that uh kibler has been working on so i'm anxious to see the new woods runner gun that you got to see already
0: yeah i think that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be a crowd pleaser i think this year it's gonna fill up kibler's space for most of the weekend i imagine
1: uh yeah i think there's gonna be lines but uh the thing with the Kibler booth was it was fascinating to go – He, for those that didn't go, um, he donated a completed rifle, Southern Mountain rifle, that he offers in kit form. And what he did is he walked through the door with a kit, and by Saturday afternoon at 2-ish, 3-ish, whenever they did the raffle – he had it completed, and you could watch him do that all weekend long, and it was great. It was great. it was fascinating to see him him work on a gun, um, and then you have other individuals. Um, the nefarious characters of Matt Fenewald and Eric Ewing always have a wonderful um, display that mixes art with historical reproductions mm-hmm. and they try to come up with a theme and they get a booth and it's kind of funny because some people are like, Oh, I want to see all of Matt's stuff. And you're like, wow, this is like walking into an art gallery Yeah, and it's not crammed packed with a lot of stuff because they specifically made certain items to go with whatever theme they had that particular year that they wanted to do. So I'm not sure if they're going to continue that. So that's going to be kind of an interesting point to see what they come up with and uh you'll see there'll be a few individuals that do have parts and materials for making different items so you can get some materials there and you gotta be quick you gotta be quick because i missed out last year i I was left with my mouth dropped open uh larry callahan uh uh-huh he makes the bullet molds and all kinds of neat little instruments for your bag. And he come walking in because they have these big roll up doors in the back. And I, my wife and I were walking out to go get the last parts out of our truck. And Larry came walking in and under his arm, he had a huge roll of bark tan. And I told my wife, I said, Heather, I said, look at all that bark tan. I said, I'll let him get settled in. I'm not going to jump him here when he's trying to get to his table because his table is across the aisle from us. By the time I went out to the truck and came back in, everything was sold except for one
2: hide.
0: (laughs)
1: That's how it goes. If you have something you see and you want, you better think about picking it up right then and there because there's a good chance it may not be. Um, But uh, the CLA has this program where they have started making books on collectors and, cre- and artisans. I call them the collector-creator books. But I think uh, Katie in the office, there's artisan books and then there's collector books. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a book that showcases and highlights the work of different artisans. And it kind of tells their story and collectors, that tells their story, why they got into collecting and what they collect. And it's kind of neat. They're very reasonably priced. I think they're like $20 a piece. Yeah. But you you can pick them up and, and take that home and look at that over and over again for reference. If, if there's a certain artist that really, um, you know, sticks with you. So the CLA will have all their stuff there. And then the other part of this, besides all the tables with all the artisans, they CLA, uh, tries to generate funds so they can keep the idea of the contemporary, uh, long rifle culture and moving forward. And I know they've done, uh, workshops and they have provided scholarships for people to attend those workshops. And especially for some of the young people, that's how they got their start. They actually applied for a scholarship, got it, went to a workshop, came home with a functioning, um, rifle. Uh, Malachi, Mike mm-hmm. Miller's a artist. he did that. Uh, Jonah Kane, yeah, I believe he did a knife-making uh, workshop, and he came home with several knives, and that stuck with him hard, and now he's making some fantastic stuff. He was in the uh, Aspiring Artist Table with me last year, and okay. that's another another feature <clears throat> was the Aspiring Artist Table where they get several newer faces, so to speak, to the CLA as far as um, making items. And they give them a focal point, a booth, in the show itself. And I thought it was really great because I I got there. They have this nice uh, presentation board, and one of your items is on the presentation board. And then they have a schedule throughout the day where you are going to sit there with a couple of other of the uh, aspiring artists of that year and your stuff's there for sale mm-hmm. and you can talk to people and, and it's a good chance to to break into it, especially if you want to be an artisan and um, the CLA also gives you money for um, business cards, you know, so they'll, they'll throw you some cash to help you with your business cards a little bit that you might've expended over the weekend And it's a great program.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be talking to you uh, as, you know, somebody who was in it last year, because I'm fortunate enough to be, uh, I was nominated to come in um, to be part of that program this year. So I've got a couple bags that I'm working on now. (laughs) I'm kind of down to the wire here, but (laughs) trying to get them knocked out here before the show. And I'm, I'm really excited to be hanging out with other aspiring artists and then just being able to spend some time at the show meeting and talking with people about the research and the development that goes into creating these contemporary accoutrements. Because as much as I'm online talking with people, that's, that's really like a quarter of it. Um, you know, a lot of that time I spend researching and and trying to understand how originals were made and how this stuff was traditionally done. And it's so nice to be able to go and and hang out with and talk with like-minded people on how everybody else is doing something and see what they're creating and kind of learn from and and understand to then come home and then apply what I've learned or or use some of the ideas that have got started through those conversations.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And it's a matter of, Like you said, talking to other artisans and asking some of those technical questions, not being afraid to. Mm -hmm. As I told you before, Jeff Luke was great. I I got to know him a little bit better at last year's show and walked home with a couple bags of his. (laughs) It's addicting, you know, people are worried about people being hooked on drugs. I think people should be worried about people being hooked on contemporary long rifle stuff.
0: Yeah. I put but, up a, I put up a little rack in my house to hang up some of the bags that I've collected over the years and I've got to put up another rack and it's kind of making <laughs> me nervous. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, it can be, then you, then you go through the syndrome of, I, I need a horn to go up that bag. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And a uh, uh, good friend of mine, Matt Wolf, it's re- he's really funny. He and I always laugh back and forth at each other on who has the most bags. And then every once in a while, he'll go, I need a horn. Cause he knows I, I have horns that I have from different makers that I'll take and, and sell and trade. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he contacted me the other night. Uh, I need a horn. This is the type of bag. See what you got. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't ever stop. No matter if you try to stop, it's, 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 it's an addiction. It's, it's a true addiction. Uh, to collecting and it's it's great but hopefully you and I get to spend a little bit of time
0: face to face i'm anxious i'm really anxious for that yeah i hope i live uh, up to your expectations <laughs> well, I hope I live first i've been um, using a photo of a younger handsomer man you know online so <laughs>
1: don't we all don't we all
0: This podcast is brought to you by Thor Bullets. Thor Bullets are a premium full-bore muzzleloader bullet designed specifically for modern inline rifles. Thor Bullets do not require plastic sabos or belts to be fired, meaning less cleaning for you between shots. The patented copper base creates an airtight seal, giving you greater distance and accuracy. Thor's unique engineering allows the bullets to retain 95% of their weight upon impact, and the controlled expansion ensures large, easy-to-follow blood trails. Thor bullets are currently available in a 50 caliber version that is sized to your specific bore. Thor is also expanding into a new 45 caliber bullet designed for faster 1 in 24 and 1 in 22 twist inline rifles. For more information on these great bullets, visit www.thorbullets.com. We'd like to thank Thor Bullets for their sponsorship of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Muzzleloader Magazine, the publication for traditional black powder shooters. Since 1974, Muzzleloader has been the leading magazine devoted to traditional black powder hunting and shooting. Each issue is jam-packed with articles on hunting, shooting, gunsmithing, do-it-yourself projects, living history, American history, book and product reviews, and much, much more. Muzzleloader Magazine is the best traditional muzzleloading magazine, bar none. I'd like to thank Jason at Muzzleloader Magazine for his continued support of I Love Muzzleloading and the I Love loading podcast. I don't care what you're into. If you're interested in muzzleloading, this is the kind of magazine I think you need to check out. I've been a fan of Muzzleloader magazine even before the sponsorship. Uh, I've always been impressed with what Jason has been able to put out with Muzzleloader magazine, and it really means a lot for him uh, to be supporting I Love loading and our efforts over here. Thank you, Muzzleloader magazine, for your support.
1: Um, a couple of things that the CLA also does, like I, w- I was talking about, yeah. uh, generating funds to, to keep things going. And so they do a couple different things. They have an auction. And if you are a subscriber to Muzzloader, you've already seen the items that are going to be up for auction. And this year, it's, it's every year it gets tweaked and it's impressive year by year. Uh, A little bit different every time, which I think is a good, you know, variety is a spice of life. And uh, everybody puts a lot of effort into whatever items they do collaborate with other artists on to donate for the live auction. Mm -hmm. And that's right there Saturday afternoon uh, at the end of the day. They also have a silent auction. So if you've ever been to some type of banquet where – like a fundraising banquet where they have an item and you go up and there's a clipboard and you put down the bid you want and then somebody can come put a bigger bid than you. And it goes back and forth all day long. Well, this goes on all weekend long until a certain set time when they close the bids and the highest bidder on the paper will get the item. And there's artwork, there's bags, there's knives, all kinds of cool, neat little trinkets uh, for that. And this year, uh, I give kudos to the ladies of the CLA, which my wife is, is one of them. Uh, Mary Brandenburg um, started talking about this within her group and Shelly Gear. And wow, they came up with this idea. Hey, girls, let's put together and have a ladies of the CLA. Auction item set.
0: Yeah, that's going to be great. From,
1: it went from, hey, let's put together a kit and sell it as a kit to you make whatever you want and we're going to sell all the items off. And so a lot of those items, if you look at them carefully, are the ladies of the CLA as well. And there's some high quality, beautiful things that are useful. That's the other thing. All the things at the CLA show, we keep talking about art and artistry. Everything is 100% usable Yeah, in the field. And, uh, and the makers, almost,
0: more often than yeah. not, want you to take it out and to use it.
1: Yes, yes. it's That's an interesting concept, and some people um, from the collector genre don't quite understand that. It's like, I just bought an action figure. I can't take it out of the box. Right. It, it will devalue it. No, this is, we're going to use it. We're going to go hunting with it. It's going to get deer blood on it. It's going to get mud, rain, snow. It's going to get scraped, scratched, and everything else. And it's only going to add to the quality of the, of the item. Um, so that's going to be an interesting thing with the ladies because they're actually going to have a separate table themselves, which will be good. Yeah, that's so going to be great. Get a chance to, to talk and chat with some of them and why they did what they did. But uh, so if you're thinking about going and you're going to say, oh, I'm not a member of the CLA and I see that you have to be a member to get in. Well, guess what? For a one time only, ladies and gentlemen, you can walk into the CLA show for thirty dollars and that gets you a family membership for the rest of the year. What does a family membership get you? Well, it gets you into the annual show and it also gets you the last copy of the year of the American Tradition magazine, which is a quarterly that the CLA puts out, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful. It also allows you to sell on the CLA site if you have items for sale, whether it's part of your collection or stuff that you actually make.
0: And that's a good and way like, to reach people. Yes, you know, I talk with a lot of people that are getting started and want to make stuff and you know try to make a little bit of money back on at least the materials that they're purchasing for it. And that yes. site gets quite a bit of traffic for people specifically looking for handmade traditional accoutrements, you know, regardless of what you're building or you're making, there are people out there looking for that kind of thing. And that having access to that website is a great way to, you know, get some exposure and, and maybe find some buyers. And, and it's a way to get your feet wet. Yeah. Into that, you know, so you got to
1: think of it. So if you, if you went, uh, and I'll be honest, and, and you know, this, if you go to a contemporary pop culture con, it's going to cost you a minimum, depending on the city, 25 to $55 to walk in the door for one day. Yeah. And you get nothing when you walk out the door and you can't even get back in the door the next day. But if you go to the CLA show and you come Friday, say you pay your $30, you and your wife are members and you both got in and, or your girlfriend, and uh, then you can both come back on Saturday again and enjoy the rest of the show, enjoy the fun with the auction, get a chance to talk to some people and really take it all in.
0: And so I this think is what- the, the $30 can seem, you know, a little steep compared to, I mean, around here, a lot of weekend events are like five to eight bucks yes. you know, to get in for the day. But I'd say that if you can only, you know, if you're, You know, if you're still working and you can only get out to a few shows a year and you're semi close to the CLA and I'd still say it's worth the the travel. I mean, I'm traveling about six or seven hours to get there. Um, You know, this is a good and that's not a lot, you know, but this is a good show to get to because of the concentration and the quality of work that's there. You can go in and, and save your pennies before you go into the show. You know, pay your 30 bucks, and you can really level up the materials that you're using to make your own accoutrements. You're gaining a lot of knowledge by being able to talk to a lot of the people that you see making this stuff online. But then even if you just want to add some new and interesting pieces to your kit, this is a place to go where everything that you purchase is going to be right, it's going to be appropriate historically, and it's going to be really well made. And you're giving money back to individuals and small businesses, which... I am always a big adv- advocate of. Hey,
1: yes. I, I like that idea. I like the concept. Um, and I, I, will be honest. It's, it's a, it's a tough crowd to break into. It's mm-hmm. a tough crowd to break into, and I'm a collector. I have lots of different well-known makers that I had on my table beside my table full of bags that I make. And uh, for my first year, I've, I'll be honest, my sales were not, not there. Uh, I've been to much smaller shows and had, um, better sales, but it was, it was an off year. Uh, and I don't take that as a discouragement because it's one of those things you gotta, every time you go to a new show as a vendor, you, 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 you gotta get people used to seeing you and knowing what you have. And then the next year it kind of snowballs every time you go back people start coming back to you and say, Hey, I remember you, you had this cool stuff last year. What do you got this year? Mm So, um, it's, it's an interesting experience all the way around. And as far as the money you can spend, you could go there and, you know, for getting your entry fee and spending maybe, let's just say if you had $200 to spend you could get into the show, enjoy lots of people, lots of camaraderie, lots of ideas. You could overload your cell phone camera and walk out of there with a multitude of different items that you can use the coming year.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, the, and, it's the kind but, of show, I mean, we talk about the quality and, and you see it, the quality of the the stuff and the high-end stuff gets talked about a lot. But it's the kind yeah. of show that even if you've got 50 bucks spending money, even if you've got 20 bucks of spending money, you can go in there and find something nice. And, you know, if that's what you've got, you know, <laughs> I, just having a baby uh, girl here earlier this year, yep. you know, I'm not going to be spending a whole lot at the shows this fall, you know, but I know that I can go in. It was just a small you know, like my weekly allowance, you know, and, and find something neat that's handmade that I can take home and enjoy.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, for example, Mitch Yates, oh, it, he is a top silversmith, and some of the silver items he makes and the engraving he does is just unbelievable and fantastic. You got to stop by his booth because he has a lot of cool little smalls that you could grab a handful of things for him and not have a whole big outlay, take them home and include them in some of your kit that you already have, like little silver hair tubes, mm-hmm. uh, a of the uh, gas back, silver gas back buttons, uh, maybe a silver brooch, just those little finer details you add to your kit you already have. And wow, it's, it just takes it to a different level. Um, gives it a different feel, a different look. Yeah. So you're right. You can you can go in there. It's not always about. Oh my God! I gotta have three thousand dollars, or else I I'm I'm no sense of going.
0: Yeah, it's uh, not. It's not that. No. I'm hoping that someday when when we all retire, we can go around spending that much money. But uh, <laughs> that's going to be a little ways off, I think.
1: Uh yeah, it's going to be a long ways off. I just <laughs> so, I'm not there, so. <laughs> i was bad enough that i i sprung for a, a a kibler kit last year you know
0: uh-huh which one did you build
1: well i didn't build it oh, okay i i'm i'm scared to death i am scared to death of uh gun building and woodwork give me leather bone and stone and i can do it but leather bone and some,
0: stone i like that
1: you know the, the uh that stuff kind of intimidates me a little bit, I'll be honest. And so I ended up, I had my game plan all set. I knew that's what I was going to do. And when you go there, Kibler has all the stocks hanging in the racks. You go pick your stock. You get the good feel if it's the one you want. And you say, I want this, and the stock's marked with a price, and that's for the complete kit. You take it over to one of their service folks, which are very friendly and helpful, and say – I want this in a 58 smooth or 54 rifled. And they'll say, okay, come back in 15 minutes. You go back in 15 minutes and I got it all crated up and boxed up for you. You're ready to go. And I already had my game plan before I went over to Kibler to pick out my kit. I walked over to Mike Miller, which I've known for many years. He come, used to come up with uh, Mark Baker to school long hunter. And he's even talked for me a couple times. Great guy. And I said, Mike, I said, I need somebody to put a Kibler kit together for me. What do you think? And he turned (laughs) around and he pointed at Malachi. He goes, Malachi. (laughs) That's great. I'm I'm anxious to get it back from Malachi and see what he kind of, his interpretation of the Kibler kits. That's what's kind of cool about those is every artist is going to take it to a different place, you know? Yeah. Everybody was worried, oh, we I'll be walking around with the same gun. I'm like, well, that's kind of not a way to look at it because every gun builder has their own way of doing things and there's enough meat left on those to, with the carving and different slimming things down that you can make it your style, you know?
0: Yeah, there's definitely some space there, I think, to, to get creative and play with it.
1: Definitely, definitely. So,
0: So but, what... What was some of your What were some of your biggest takeaways coming out of the show last year? And how did you incorporate that those takeaways into your your trip and your preparations for this year?
1: Oh, interesting.
0: I kind well, of sprung that one on you. That one kind of came to me as no, I was <laughs> as we were thinking no, that's
1: here. A, that's a good question. Um, actually, f- for us. The the planning to go is not as difficult. It, we don't, I don't find it difficult because we go to so many different shows, right? And we do travel, and and, and it's not like I maybe do six, you know, between the CLA, Dixon's every, you know, the Kempton Gun Fair every so often. Um, we go to the Lew- Lewisburg um, show, which is now going to be held in Altoona, which is. Exciting and fantastic because mm-hmm. that the that facility is going to do that show justice. So that's going to be worth going to. Um, we have our own CLA show at Pricketts beside School Longhunter. So we're used to, you know, trying to plan and get things going. You know, the hotel's nice. I will tell you this: the hotel that is beside the. Um, facility which connects right to the hall where the cla show is is they have they have a nice discount rate um is probably what some people say is a little pricier than what they normally pay for a hotel my wife and i always look at that as a vacation if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so But there are a lot of hotels in the area, and there's lots of parking there. That's what is very nice about that show. There's lots of parking if you're just going to park. Yes, and it's free.
0: (laughs) That's when I when I saw last year because it it had been a while. When I saw last year that I didn't have to pay ten or twelve bucks to park, you know, each day of the show. That was that was nice. You know, that was nice to have that money back. You know, I didn't have to worry about budgeting much more. So that was nice. Yep. And then the only other thing going to the show
1: is you really have to sit down and think, okay, what am I going to, this is going to sound goofy. What am I going to do about food? Mm -hmm. They have food available on site. And I know uh, my wife and I, I think one day for lunch we had the food that they had on site. And then we had brought some stuff to have to kind of conserve on money. And we ate dinner out every night because it was our first time. And we had friends that took, took us and showed us the ropes and the different good places to eat and so forth, you know? Yeah.
0: It was nice too. I mean, you don't have to eat. I mean, the show is long enough at least on Saturday where it's really easy to, to go. I mean, downtown Lexington is right around there. And yes. so you can be, I mean, because of the free parking, you can just hop over, you know, if you want to get something cheap, you want to go grab the dollar menu, like I like to do, you know, you can, you can jump out and do that and half an hour you're back at the show uh, yes. or you can walk to a, you know, a downtown restaurant and get away from the show a little bit get some fresh air and, and do that kind of thing too.
1: And that's the beauty of this particular site. Because many of the different conferences I've gone to before in the past, you're locked down. Not locked down, but you're.
0: Yeah, you're kind of stuck.
1: Not conducive to just walking a short distance to something else. Yeah. Whereas you're in downtown Lexington and you go down the stairs onto the street that's behind the convention center and there's all kinds of different food places. You go down. Two blocks, three blocks either way, and you'll find lots of stuff. There's a nice park out there. Where you can go sit and relax and like you said, get some fresh air and kind of clear your head because it'll probably be spinning <laughs> after the first couple of hours. Yeah. And then um, a suggestion I make to everybody that, that goes, bring along, go to go to Walmart and buy a cheap three dollar sketch pad that you can write notes in and sketch stuff down Mm. because that's one of the big things. I know we have cell phones and I take pictures too, but I'm also kind of guy. I like to sketch things out because your brain does better by actually, um, writing and sketching things out and it commits it to your memory better than if you take a picture and try and look at it later. Because I try to make side notes too. of so if I'm looking at an original bag, I try to do a rudimentary sketch and then I'm starting to fill in details, maybe yeah. about the thing. Um that's like I was <laughs> I had all these my wife yells at me, I have all these open uh bars on the top of my my open page, my home page. Oh, okay. And she goes, That's why your computer's slow. I'm like, okay, okay. Well it was all these hunting bags references. <laughs> <laughs> originals so i sat down last night and just what you do folks you, you dial into the podcast page pick a podcast and listen to it and then i go through the different pages on my computer and did all my sketches last night and one of the unique bags that was at an auction house that was from the uh, latter half of the 18th century was a seven and a half by i think 10 or 11 deep hmm and i was talking to my wife because she does uh, sewing and i said look at the look at the way the seams were and the funny part is she and i were going back and forth the other day because she's getting into making market wallets and she made this really neat linen um gun bag uh, hunting pouch with a embroidered deer from an 18th century sketch on the front that she's going to have at the table and we were talking about how to stitch things up and i was trying to explain to her some of the techniques i use to make sure that the seams reinforced and it's the same thing you can do with cloth and i said see look i can tell this is a running stitch on the inside of this by the way it's puckered on the edge so i made sure i made a note in my sketch that's it's puckered along the edge and then I cheated. I got it as close as I could on the computer and I took my phone and I enlarged it as close as I could on my phone and took a picture of it. And then what I'll do is I'll run to Walmart and I'll download to get some photos to have back reference with what I sketched down.
0: Okay. So, awesome.
1: but bring something to write stuff down. And I don't care if it's to, you're going to want to write people's names, phone numbers, cell, or, you know, sites and everything there's everybody's got business cards, but you might just meet somebody you start talking with and they don't have a business card, but here's their, you know, get their information from them. Right. So it enhances your sharing experience. So you got it when you come back home, because you got to have a place to dump your ideas in your head, because by the time your head's spinning and you drive home, you're going to forget about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Last year, both my wife and I on the, on the road home, it was just, it was a really quiet road trip because we were just kind of digesting the last two days of it. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and one of my biggest take, takeaways
1: from last year was after conversations with uh, uh, Jeff Luke uh, was just on different ways to uh, do some different way- stitching mm-hmm. than what I was doing. And I had to actually wait because a gentleman by the name of James Rogers used to come. He was not able to make it last year because of an illness in the family, but hopefully he'll be there this year. Yeah, yeah. And he has some of the best thread, needles. He's got the uh, awls and all the good leatherworking tools as well as he's a fine leather crafter himself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I had him do a belt for me and it's just, it's fantastic. I, bet. I mean, belt, you wouldn't think a belt as being artistic, but just the buckles. Be. Yeah, the buckles he uses and the, and the flare and his stitching is unbelievable. Um, so you can learn about techniques and that's, that's what I try to do. I try to pick some brains and get some ideas on some of the techniques that people are using.
0: Yeah, I think right. that's one of the neat things that I really enjoy about about this show and, and a lot of the other shows that I go to, whether I'm, you know, trying to get some understanding for some of my historical trekking stuff or learning, you know, more about gun building in particular or, you know, shooting more accurately or anything or the traditional accouterments, these kind of events are a great place, if they're in your area, to be able to go and see this stuff in person and talk to the people. That are going through, and a lot of times everybody's going to share their research, you know, on where they found things or some of the primary documentation, with which I know a lot of us are always trying to hunt down. And it can be a little difficult, but these shows are a great way to kind of kickstart that little reference library that you're going to build as you keep going.
1: And it's going to be important if you are looking to build stuff, because we're coming up on what I call the traditional building season. Mm-hmm. It's going to start getting ugly weather. I know some of you don't want to think about that. (laughs) I love it. I'm in a snow belt. We get lake effect all the time and we go hunting, come in. All right. Let's see what we can delve into some of my sketchbook stuff and say, I want to build something like that today and go from there. But uh, it's a good way to get your ideas and thoughts in the right place so you can think about it for a little while before that hits, and you get, you get yourself all set up for what you might want to accomplish for that build season.
0: Well, Bill, I hate to have to bring it to a close, but I've got to get back on diaper duty here. As kind of our last parting thoughts here, you know, what can you say to to help? You know, if somebody's a little bit on the edge, you know, what can you do to bring them over to get them to start planning to come to the CLA show? If not this year, you know, maybe next year.
1: Well, I definitely think it's a worthwhile trip. Look at it as a vacation, because it is beautiful sights. It's a beautiful drive. I think almost from anywhere you come from, it's a beautiful country there. Um, it's neat to see all the old horse farms and 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 think about that tradition in our country. But then you are going to walk through the doors, and you're going to be totally blown out of your socks. You're not going to want to leave. And part of you is going to say, I don't want to go. I'm going to chain myself to the door. But then there's another part of you that says, oh, my God, I got to get home so fast because I know what I want to make. I want to know what I want to do. Yeah. (coughs) Or, hey, I know what I want to change in my bag. (coughs) I know what I want to change in the loads of my gun. And it's kind of a, a rebirth thing. and. I know some people find that with every show that, you know, they have some similar experience, but the CLA is just got a lot of things that you'll never see except for in a book or magazine or on the internet, you know? Yeah. Um, and for those of you that are in the uh, uh, Northern West Virginia, Southern Southwestern Pennsylvania area or Ohio, and you still need some convincing if you come to Prickett's Fort the weekend before, I will be the artist in residence from Friday the 12th, I believe, till the following Tuesday, the 16th. And I'll be doing uh, bag making and I'll have all kinds of displays of contemporary makers' bags and talk about the process, talk about the materials, take a look at uh, some historical items and also take a look at what goes in a bag so there's a lot of things around the long rifle culture we'll be discussing from the accoutrement side of it while i'm doing that uh, artist in residency every day at Crickets fort in their visitor center so awesome. if you need some more fencing, i'll be happy to give you a little glimpse of what you might be able to see and give you that extra push over the edge
0: and I'll be sure to put that information for that in the show notes as well. So if somebody can't make it to the CLA show and they have a little time, they can get out and they can come to that one and, and meet and talk with you some.
1: Perfect. Before you go to diaper duty, I got a question for you. Yeah, hit me. We have lots of stuff to talk about today. Um, and we didn't even get to the bag stuff because I still want to go. I want to do dueling bags with you on a podcast one day.
0: We will. I promise. And, and But do you still have the first bag you made? I do. I made it in middle school, I think, for 4-H shooting sports in my area. Nice. Do you? Have your first.
1: I'll send you a picture of my first bag that I made back in 82. Okay. 82, and to use when I went to Friendship.
0: Awesome. Well, I'll I'll send you a picture of mine as well, and we'll include those uh, in the show notes, too, so people can check those out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. So I hope you guys come out, please. If you hear this podcast, make sure you come up to us at the show and say, Hey, I listened to the
0: podcast. My name is, it's all about meeting people too and sharing ideas. So please do that. It's fun for me to, to meet and interact with everybody online, but it's also a lot of fun to go to the show and, and sit down and talk with people. And, and right now, it, it kind of feels, you know, a little bit of a one-sided conversation. You know, I'm, I'm talking with Bill here and you're listening, but when we're at these shows, it, it's, we are encouraging you really to come up and be a part of that conversation. We want you to be a part of that conversation because we can just sit here and talk until we're blue to the face. You know, it's nice to have you guys at these shows come coming up and talking with us so please do i'm I'm in full support of that one bill because that's that's something i love about this
1: i have a lot that i still need to learn we all do i have a lot that i can share i'm not an expert i'm a continual learner and the only way we get better or we get uh, new things added to our repertoire is by talking with people yeah so come up with the la show
0: Once again, I'd like to thank Bill for coming on to the show. We'll have links to the event's That we're talking about in this episode, as well as some pictures of Bill's bags that he's going to be bringing to the CLA show for you to check out. Uh, We're also going to include Bill's first bag as well as my first bag. So you can kind of see that progression. It's really easy to, to be intimidated by some of the people out there that are making really nice stuff. Uh, But it's important to remember that we all start somewhere and we're all kind of going through our own journey here in muzzleloading and long rifle culture, regardless if you're interested in just hunting with your muzzleloader or if you're going out and, and, camping and trekking in full 18th century gear you know we're all kind of going our own way here and it's a lot of fun to to meet with and chat with people like bill and the rest of you when i'm able to to hear about uh, your progression through this where you've been and where you're going And like we said in the episode there, if you're at one of these shows and you see Bill or I, please feel free to come up and chat with us. That's really half the fun, if not more than half the fun of doing all of this uh, is getting out and meeting with and talking with all of you, even though we're not recording, you know, necessarily, or, or making a video about it. It's nice to hear about how you got into muzzleloading and answer some of your questions in person about muzzleloading and the associated stuff that goes with it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope to see you out at one of the events this fall. Once again, I'm Ethan. I love loading. We'll catch you next time.
2: In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss.